Welcome to the Central Live Podcast with Pastor Jim Caldwell. At Central Baptist Church in Phoenix City, Alabama, it's our mission to make disciples who make disciples. Let's join Pastor Jim as he shares today's message. It's all about Jesus. Y'all get that? It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about you and me. It's all about Him. And uh, man, this morning set just talking about the heart. And I don't know about y'all, but I, God moved in me today. Uh, so happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we're, we're in the middle of a series. It's, we're going through the book of Acts, and it's called Being the Church During Difficult Days. And, um, you know, this morning we sang about the heart, didn't we? Guess what we're going to talk about today? Your heart. Imagine that, how that kind of worked together. Now, I know some of you are going, like, come on, PJ. You've talked about this enough. Come on. If we hadn't gotten this yet, you know, we're probably not going to get it. Why don't you move on to something else? Uh, Y'all, I can't help it out, you know. I I can't help it. Don't go blah, 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 and just kind of, you know, think about what's for for lunch today or whatever. Uh, When the Bible stops talking about it, I will too, okay? There you go. That's, is that a deal? All right, that's a deal. Uh, your heart is the motive for why you do what you do. The reason that you do actions, that you do things. Uh, you know, if our motivation is, is from self, it means we're always putting ourselves first. We're always number one. But if our, our motivation, our heart is set on God, uh, man, that's what those songs today we were just singing over and over was was giving our heart over to Him to allowing Him to be our motivation for everything that we do. Allowing Him to be that, that motivation. And see, as, as a follower of Christ, we're to allow Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to live in and through us. Now, He uses our personality. He doesn't change who we are, but He, he changes us from the inside out. And and we're, we're just vessels for him to use. We're vessels for him to use. And see, we can't be used the way that God desires us to be used if we're selfish, if we're always focused on ourselves. And see, our culture tells us to be focused on ourselves. I mean, that, that's, that's the whole American dream, really. I mean, I, I'm all for, you know, let's work and earn and, you know, get you know, get everything. But in the kingdom of God, it's just not like that. The kingdom of God uh, is, is unselfish, is un, un uh, uh, you know, it's not, it's not focused on us. It doesn't have to be about us. In fact, it's supposed to be about Him. And so uh, does the motivation behind your actions, does it come from a love for Jesus or does it come out of your selfishness. Because, I mean, that's the two places, really, it generally comes from, is either ourself 
helper from God. So let's turn back to the book of Acts. We're going to move over to Acts chapter 8. Um, and I, I want us to, to look at this because, okay, remember this is the early church, right? The early church, this is probably 60 A.D., something like that, when some of this stuff's happening between 60 and 70 A.D. And so Jesus died, you know, 30 years earlier, something like that. And, and so uh, can you imagine the church already had problems? <laughs> Hard to believe, right? I tell you what, when you get people together, you end up with problems sometimes, don't you? Well, well they, they had some problems. And so uh, as we go back, uh, I, w- I want us to look at their hearts, at some hearts today and heart issues. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It says, Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Uh, if you remember, what we studied last week Saul was a, was a persecutor of Christians. Uh, so after the time when Saul comes into the picture, uh, everyone but the apostles, man, they scattered. What do you think happened when they scattered? Anybody know? He told people about Jesus wherever they went. Uh, it was kind of part of the plan, right? That's how, you know, that's another reason that I can know that what God's doing right now is plan A because the early church, they didn't have it easy. They were being scattered because of persecution, yet they just they used it as an opportunity to tell more people about Jesus, people they wouldn't have come in contact with earlier. You know, I don't know if, if the church of Jesus is going to be scattered again. I think we're scattered through media, through a lot of different things. I don't know if we'll ever have to leave the United States because of persecution, but can I tell you, if we have to, it's God's plan A. He doesn't mess up. He doesn't make mistakes. He never makes mistakes. Look on at verse 5. It says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and what did he do? He began proclaiming Christ to them. He was telling them the gospel about how Jesus had died uh, for the people's sins. He was raised from the dead. Uh, to give life. And so he was proclaiming Jesus to him. Anybody remember who Philip is? Philip was a couple of chapters ago in Acts chapter 6. Philip was a deacon, one of the first deacons. Okay? One of the first deacons. Um, So he helped make sure, Philip was one of the ones who helped make sure the food distribution went to all the widows fairly uh, at that time. But that isn't all they did. It wasn't like, okay, now we're administrators and we're not going to do anything else. No. Deacons were out ministering, out caring for people, preaching the Word of God to people. They were sharing what was going on. So look at verse 6. It says, The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice. And many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. See, God was doing amazing miracles through Philip. Now, was there anything really special about Philip? I don't think so, y'all. I think he was just like you and me, just like our deacons, just like anybody else. Philip was here. He, he, was, he, was, he was just living out of the power of the Spirit. God was doing amazing things through him. As a believer, God may not be doing signs and wonders through you right now. But let me ask you a question. Is God's power being seen through you? Because see, 
whether he's doing signs and wonders, that's all on him, right? Whatever he decides he wants to do, he can do. Uh, I believe he can do anything he wants to do, that there's nothing out of bounds for God. We put him in a box sometimes and say, God can only do this. And I think that's just wrong. But this is what God does. When he comes into a life, he changes that life. You can't have Jesus and you can't have the Holy Spirit and stay the same. You just can't. It's impossible. It's impossible to stay the same. So is that power being shown through your life? And if not, why not? Because if you're a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And and the natural design of what God's done is that His power come out of you. We're not supposed to keep it in. We're not meant to hold on to it. It's, you know, the little song, that little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's not that little light of mine, I'm going to hold it in, right? We're going to let it shine. And that shining is allowing God to use us to care for people, minister to people, love people. Yesterday, we had a good little group of us went out prayer walking. It was so awesome. Uh, You know, prayer walk is one of those things that if you're looking at things through an earthly mindset, you would think, what a waste of time. I mean, they just go out there and walk and pray in their heads and nothing, you know, it doesn't accomplish anything. There's nothing happening right that minute. But can I tell you what? We are shaking heaven. We are walking through these neighborhoods. We are more than shaking heaven, we're shaking the devil. And we're shaking his kingdom up. And he, can I tell you, he knows we're out there prayer walking. You know, maybe everybody else in the neighborhood doesn't realize it. Maybe, maybe there's a lot of people that don't understand it or don't see the value in it. But can I tell you, spiritual battles have to be fought spiritually. And that means on your knees. It's where you do the work. It's where you do the work. It's God's power being seen. In your life, man, we had a great time. Uh, we got to, uh, my little group got to pray for a lady who was walking. And uh, she said she was a believer, uh, and I have no reason to doubt that. And uh, we prayed for her husband, but you just never know what's going to happen when you go out and you just start praying and you just let God do what he wants to do with you. It's pretty amazing stuff. All right, look on at verse 9 with me. It says, now there was a man named Simon who was formerly practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from the smallest to the greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic art. See, Simon was a guy, uh, he was a man, he claimed to be great. Uh, you know, if you claim to be great, you, you got to kind of back it up sometimes. So he was, he was showing them uh, some magic, some power. Uh, all the people saw this, and they were astonished at what he was doing. So it, it was kind of a crazy thing. But the word magic here in verse 9, and actually the word magic arts in verse 11, uh, is, is a word that's actually used or sorceries. It's, uh, it's, it's, it has demonic uh, thoughts to it, demonic actions to it. Um, it, it, it is uh, 
it's the word pharmakia. It actually has a, a drug uh, connected to, to illegal kind of drugs, drugs that are, are hard on you, bad for you. Um, and so mostly when that word was used, it, it was actually used for like drug addiction and that kind of thing that, that was going on during that time. Okay, so as, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. So as he's out there, he is, he is actually using demonic powers, okay, Simon, using de- demonic powers to accomplish some feats that looked, you know, super, like, like God had done them or something, right? Uh, you know, the devil always tries to mimic God, always tries to mimic God. And so he was out using these kind of powers to do that. Now, when you were doing these magic and black arts, you would try not to let the people know it was demonic. You wanted them to think it was you because it's all about you. See, every, everything that you think of demonic, demonic is always about self. Do you know that? Demonic is always about self. Uh, when, when demons and, and, and forces of evil come to try to get you to, to sin, to do bad things, to mess up, what do they do? They try to get you to be selfish. Think about it. You think about all the different ways. They are trying, they are trying to get you to be focused on yourself. Again, remember, it's all about your heart. It's where is my heart? And if your heart is just always focused on you, you you're not going to be everything God wants you to be. Your heart has to be focused on Him. So the tricks... That, that Simon used, the power he used, this was demonic power. This wasn't uh, just a sleight of hand or a trick. This, I mean, I'm sure that was part of it. But So he wasn't really like a magician in our day. You can't, you can't like equate the two because this was, this was seriously demonic. All right, look at verse 12. It says, But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, men and women alike. All right, so I'm I'm helping you pay attention to some languages in this, okay? Because I think it's really important to kind of understand because the English words sometimes don't get it. Uh, The word believed in this verse, it's the same word that's used for faith in a lot of places in the Bible. Exact same word, it's used for faith. The word believed means to know the facts, though, and act on them, okay? It means to believe facts and then act on them. And, and that means that these people had come to a saving faith in Christ, okay? They believed the facts. Jesus died on the cross uh, for our sins. He, he was dead and he was raised from the dead and they received Jesus. That's, that's what that word believe means. It's more than just believing the facts. Because in James, it says that the demons know the facts. They believe the facts, and they tremble because they know that this gospel is true. So there comes a problem for me. I've always struggled with it in this next verse. And so let's look at it. We'll struggle together. Y'all ready? Eric, nod your head if you're still with me. Okay. All right. Verse 13. Even Simon himself believed, And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip 
And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. Well, here it says Simon believed. The word believed is the exact same one used in the last verse uh, that these people had believed. It's the word for faith. It's a belief and, and an acting on it. So Simon believed, and, and I believe every other in, instance in the New Testament that uses this word, the, the person is saved by it, okay? But I'm not so sure about Simon, because let's look at what's going on. I, I've really struggled with this verse, these verses over the years. So I, I thought instead of trying to come down on one side or another, I, y'all can struggle with me. How about that? All right, so, so here's the deal. Every, I mean, every other time the word believe is used, it's a true salvation experience. And, and I have to admit, through the years, I've gone from believing he was saved to believing he wasn't saved. And, and here you have, to keep, you have to keep looking at the context, okay, of what's going on. So did Simon really believe? Let's look at uh, verses 14 to 17. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them, and they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they, they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. All right, just to start with, verses 14 through 17 is really unusual. Because after this, when you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. This is uh, an unusual thing in the very first part of the book of Acts of people laying hands on them and receiving the Holy Spirit. But, but other than just uh, uh, being a little strange in that way, I want you to think about something. You remember when you first received Jesus? Somebody nod you this way, or if you don't, I, man, I... You know, I, I just, I, mine is so vivid. Um, do you remember the hunger and thirst that you had right after you were saved to know him more? And man, you just wanted to do everything you could possibly, were you like that? Because everybody I know that, that has Jesus was like that at some, at some point, usually early, right? You're like, man, come on. I, I can't get enough of this stuff. I want more. I want more. Do you remember after you got saved, uh, some of you were really young, so it's probably not as applicable, but, but how your attitudes, after you got saved, how your attitudes and, and your heart, your heart changed, didn't it? It, it got different. You know, now, you may not notice it as much if you were saved at nine, but I promise you, your attitude, your, you, were, you were changed from death to life. It, it's a big change. It's a big change. It changed radically how you grew up and how things happen. But uh, I know my life, man, it changed so radically when Jesus came in. It was like I didn't want any part of the old. I wanted the new. Uh, I would do anything to have, uh, you know, to, to spend time with Jesus and anything it took. And at that time, it meant getting rid of my old friends. It meant what I, I didn't care. I had Jesus, and that's what I wanted, and I was, my heart was there. And, and, you know, Jesus is still in the heart change business, right? You know that, right? All right, he is. He is in the heart change business. So I want you to look at verses 18 and 19. 
And I want you to think about Simon and, and, and what he's doing right here. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Oh, my. Uh, now, I want you to look at this. Do Simon's actions line up with a brand new Christian? Someone who loves Jesus, who's just come to faith in Jesus. No. Who's, who, who is it, are his actions for? It's for him, right? He wants to be able to give the Holy Spirit to people. It's just another magic trick in his box, right? He would love to be able to do that. Now, I, you know, that, that's, uh, that's kind, of, kind of crazy. He wanted his power, this power for selfish gain. See, he truly hadn't repented of his sin. Repentance, you know, involves turning away from your sin and turning to Jesus, right? But he, he never turned away from his sin. He never truly repented. Look at verse 20 with me. It says, but Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter for your heart is not right before God. What's not right? His heart. His heart wasn't, wasn't right. In fact, uh, Peter said that he had no part or no portion. And you know what that means? If, if you dig into it, it means that he had no relationship with God. He didn't have any relationship with God. His heart was never changed by the gospel. See, when I was nine, I prayed a prayer. I walked down an aisle. I got baptized. But I was as lost as I could be. Now, how do you know when you're nine? I don't know. I didn't know. I would have told you I was saved. I was not. When I was 28, my life changed. I radically changed. And, and I'll never be the same because of it. I have a testimony because of it. See, he, he didn't have a testimony. He didn't have a testimony. Has your heart been changed by the gospel of Jesus? You know, Jesus talked about those who believe and yet don't receive uh, and, and hearts are not right with God. Matthew chapter 13, just listen. I'm not going to put it on the screen. It's Matthew 13, 3 through 8. It's a parable, parable of the souls. It says, He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell by the road. And birds came and ate them up. And others fell on rocky places where they do not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Well, Jesus told the parable of the soil or the parable of the sower. And the, the, the sower is us sowing the Word of God. We're sowing the Word of God into people. We're sharing the gospel with people. And, and he says there's different kinds of soil here. And only one of the soils is good soil, right? The, these other three soils 
are, are not a picture of salvation. Now, I don't know exactly which soil uh, Simon would have been, but he didn't have a relationship with God. He believed, but then he fell right away. That's not a true salvation. Not a true salvation. Look a little bit further. Verse 18 says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, he immediately falls away. And, uh, and the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is a man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom the seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears and understands and bears fruit, brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. See, the gospel doesn't always fall on good soil. But here's my question. How do we know what soil is good soil? We don't, do we? We don't have any idea. The one thing that's consistent in here, in this story, in this parable, is that the sower kept sowing, right? The sower just sowed. He wasn't responsible for outcome. He was responsible for sowing. Are we sowing the good news? Because that, that's what we've been called to do. That's what we're here for, is to sow the good news of Jesus and to keep sowing and to keep sowing. Sometimes it's going to fall on the soils that, that it's not going to make it. But you know what? Sometimes it falls on the good soil. And you get, to, you get to make a difference in someone's life. And you know what else? Even when you sow, and, and it sows on some soil that's not ready to receive it now, sometimes you get to be a link in the chain of the gospel that somebody else comes and sows, and somebody else comes and sows, and somebody else comes and sows. And then after time, they turn and come to know Christ. Isn't that awesome that God... God uses, even, even when we're sowing on the bad soil and we don't know it, He uses it. He uses it. But we got to sow. We got to sow. Go back to Acts chapter 8 for a second. Verse 22. He's talking to Simon still. Peter talking to Simon. He said, Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. Man, the importance of your heart, it can't be underestimated, y'all. The Bible talks a lot about it. Have you ever had that initial heart change? I know many of you have. That initial heart change. Or you like Simon. You heard the gospel and you, you want it, but, but you've never really received it. You never really asked him to come in and change your life. Well, Jesus did come and die on a cross. He lived a perfect, sinless life so that he could be the replacement. He could take your place for the sin that you commit. 
And if you ask him to come in, if you receive him, he'll forgive you of your sins. And because he died on that cross, but then not only did he die, he's not dead. He's alive. And he was resurrected from the dead, and he lives in heaven, and it's a testimony. And his life comes to live inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have Jesus. And so I want everybody to know, do you have Jesus? Do you have his Holy Spirit living inside of you? If you don't today, I want to encourage you right now to call 334-298-0923, extension 110. Receive Jesus if, if you're off-site. If you're here, we're going to be having a, a time of response in just a minute. I'm going to ask the band to come right now if they would. We're going to have a time of response here in just a moment. So if you don't have this life-changing relationship with Jesus, come into it today. Today's the day that you need that relationship. Most of us in this room, and probably most of the ones listening, have a relationship with God through Jesus. Where's your heart? Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. From it flows the springs of life. Watch your heart. Guard over your heart. Don't let your motives turn into selfishness. Make sure your motives are correct. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What guards our hearts? The peace of God peace of God. Do you have the peace of God? We're in the most fearful time I've ever seen in the history of my life, my 60 years. Do you have the peace of God? Because that, that's what he's here to give us. Don't worry. Trust him. Make sure your heart's right with God. Surrender today. Where is your heart? right now. Where's your heart? I'm going to ask everybody to stand right now. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Hey, if you're here in this place and uh, you need Jesus, uh, I'm going to be down front. If you'd just like to pray, uh, we'll try to social distance a little bit and pray. Uh, if you'd like to pray at the altar, I encourage you to come. If God's laying something on your heart, Please come today. Heavenly Father, as we, uh, as we come to the time of response, I thank you that you've made it so clear how you want our hearts to be. And God, we sang it. We saw it in your word. That we were to be fully surrendered to you. That selfishness has no place. And so, God, we, we come to you today. We just, we surrender. I pray, God, that you move in hearts and in lives. And uh, to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to this Central Live podcast. If you'd like more information, visit our website at centrallive.org.